Morning again. Morning. Now, I'm, I'm sorry that I've turned up so quickly after I was here last time. <laughs> I'm told it was an emergency, but I'm not quite sure what an emergency means. Um, so anyway, I'm here. So if you don't like me, then um, I'm not going to turn up immediately again in the future, so you can keep coming. Um, my name is Hugo, for those of you who don't know, and uh, part of my responsibility is to bring the word of God. It says in the scripture at one point that you're meant to speak as if you're speaking the very words of God. Uh, that should actually be all the time, whether at a coffee morning or uh, even when you're being upset with someone. So it's worth uh, bearing that in mind. But specifically this morning, well, I'm a bit echoey. Is there any chance of making me a little less echoey? Is that possible? That would be lovely. When I was here last time, we were talking about gathering together because we weren't allowed to. And this time, I was um, praying about three weeks ago, specifically about this morning and what uh, the Lord wanted to say to you as a church. At the end of the, the last time I spoke, I threw in a line which was uh, really nothing planned, where I said, it's like you need to reset as a congregation. And pretty much everybody who I met outside took not the slightest notice of all the other stuff I'd planned and said that the word of God was that you needed to reset. So I'm going to try and go straight to the throwaway line this time <laughs> and see what God has to say about it. When I was, uh, as I say, when I was thinking three weeks ago about this particular talk, I felt that the Lord wanted to say something that you already know. And so I, I picked this passage, which you've seen, where it says, if two agree on earth in anything, about anything, that it will be done. Uh, and I then came up with the title of Let Us Pray. And then it was boring, so I decided to change the title to Let Us Spray. Um, and then I realized that actually that was quite profound, because the difference between the way uh, some things work. Some things work very precisely, don't they? If, if you're doing mechanics on a car, what you want is somebody who sorts your car out so that it works properly and that the bits are in the right place. And there is a what right way to do it. There are certain things in life which work on there being a right way and a wrong way, and you can train someone to do something right. And the people who do it right, we call experts which is, as you know, um, something which is quite um, poo-pooed in the world at the moment. But I prefer an expert to mend my car. I also prefer an expert to do surgery on me. There are a number of things which I'd really like an expert for. But there is one thing in life that we, in church, kind of begin to believe you need an expert for, and you really don't, it's a heresy to believe you need an expert for it. And that is prayer. We do need Jesus. So it's not all kinds of prayer that are equally effective. If you don't include Jesus, then it's like saying, well, I would like to run my hairdryer, but not plug it into the power, uh, which makes you look a bit silly. But you know, nothing's happening. Uh, so you have to connect with Jesus, but you don't need to be an expert to pray. In fact, it might be better if you just spray it around, because more stuff happens. Now, I'm simply saying this to you this morning, 
that God is saying to you as a church and as individuals a lot about the next thing in your life is to rekindle the habit, the activity, and the simplicity of praying together and seeing stuff happen. You might say, well, we prayed about some things and very tragically they didn't work out. Well, when you prayed, God did get involved, but yes, we win some and we lose some. But if we don't pray, we lose them all. That's the way it goes. So we've got to start praying again. Now, you might be doing what I did a number of years ago. A number of years ago, I, b I believe in a, a that, brilliant, join in, keep waving, yes. Um, a number of years ago, I was involved in a meeting and somebody there was the kind of person who would give words from God. And at one point, he made me stand up. And at that point, we had been traveling around the country and preaching in various different places, trying to encourage people to become Christians, which is often known as evangelism. And we'd also started a number of churches in North London, which some people call church planting. And this chap, once he'd stood me up, he said, Hugo, he did know who I was. He said, you have been known for being involved in evangelism and you have been known for being involved in church planting, but in the future, you'll be known for something else. And I thought, oh. And then I thought, well, what? And then he finished. I think, if you're going to bring me a word, at least tell me something useful. I, I regularly said this. So I then sat down and somebody came up to me afterwards, greatly excited, saying, well, what is it? And I didn't know. A year and a half later, this same preacher came to speak in our church at a baptism service. It was a really special baptism service because this young lady had become a Christian because somebody in our church, she'd come as a total atheist, slightly sad and broken. Uh, she was a young lady from, uh, from Serbia, uh, and she'd come as an au pair. She'd been quite badly treated by people in, her, in the house that she was working in because they didn't like Serbs, because at the time, the UN was bombing the Serbs, and the Serbs were killing various people in Bosnia-Herzegovina. And uh, they treated her as if she was doing it, even though she was just a young woman, aged 19, who was working as an au pair in... And that's one of the big injustices in the world, isn't it? That we see a, a headline on the newspaper and we think everybody's like that. So anyway, she turned up at our church a few times, and in one of the services, we'd been uh, singing songs and worshipping, and then somebody started to sing in tongues. Uh, if you don't know what tongues is, it's words that they don't understand. So they're, they're actually singing words that feel good, that come out of their spirit, and they're singing it to God, and it's up to God to make it mean something. But they're singing to God, they're enjoying singing to God. And then they started singing a little bit louder than everybody else, and so we all went quiet, and they sang to us, but in words that nobody understood. And uh, when she'd finished, she said, I don't know what I was singing, but it felt like a mother combing the hair uh, of her uh, young daughter. And while she was singing, she was singing, the, uh, singing uh, over her daughter. And I think God is saying, I'm like uh, that mother that is singing over you, and I love you, and I'm combing your hair. Now that seems, you know, it was quite special. And then, of course, I was leading the service, so I remember standing up and thinking, now what? Uh, so we kind of sang another song, and then, <laughs> then the preacher came on, and the preacher was boring that night. Some are, aren't they? Uh, and, um, and I was thinking, well, it kind of, we had a high point in the service, and then it, uh, anyway, never mind. Um, 
The next morning, we came in for, because uh, uh, we were away together for two or three days as a church. And uh, the next morning we came in and this young lady was uh, at the back. Uh, and we'd literally befriended her, but she said, I'm an atheist, can I be involved? I just need friendship. And then one of our uh, staff pastoral ladies said, Hugo, could you get Yelena to share? And I thought, well, that's a bit unfair because she's literally, and I said, Yelena, do you want to, she says, no, thank you. And I said, she's not sharing. And then Karen, who was this lady said, she is sharing, she's sharing. And I said, Yelena, do you want to share? She said, no. And I said, Karen, she doesn't want to share. And I'm, I'm kind of standing at the front and there's people coming in, like you all coming in, everybody's talking. And Karen said, she is sharing. You, Yelena, Yelena, you're sharing. And I'm going, Karen, you can't treat her like this. And, and Yelena eventually realizes that Karen and I are going to fall out. So at this point, she said, don't worry, don't worry, I will share, I will share. And she comes up the front, and she stands by the microphone, and she says, uh, I'd just like to tell you that last night I was in the meeting, and uh, as you know, I'm an atheist, she said. As you know, I am an atheist. She kept saying that. But when they started singing like that, I wondered what they were doing, and then I started recognizing the words. She said, I was recognizing the words because they were a song that my mother used to sing over me. And the tune was the right tune when, when I was little, when she combed my hair. And then she said, I don't know what I was singing, but this. And I'm going, whoa, that's weird. So I said to Karen afterwards, what was going on? And I explained. And Karen said, oh, don't worry, that's in the Bible. And she showed, she showed it to me in Acts chapter 2 that you could speak words you didn't understand. And it's God trying to speak to you. And I'm still thinking, Karen must have kept her cool. Because I wouldn't have gone, oh, don't worry, it's just in the Bible, look. I'd have gone, whoa! <laughs> anyway, she said, so Karen encouraged me to give my life to Jesus. So I did that. So anyway, thank you. And she sat down. <laughs> so a few months later, she was being baptized. So it was quite a cool baptism service. You know, I, I can see that you have a very golden baptistry. <laughs> it's always good to have it. Uh, you know, the idea is to take the stuff off it and fill it with water rather than to make it nice and golden. Um, and um, anyway, she, she was being baptized. So we had this chap come to speak. And... Uh, <laughs> He came and spoke in the morning, and I, don't, I can't remember exactly what he did, but uh, over lunch I said to him, you, you do remember that a year and a bit ago, you, um, you, said to, you stood me up and said I, that I was known for evangelism and known for church planting, and I'd be known for something else. And he said, yes. I said, so what is it then? Because it's a year and a half later and I still don't know. And he said, oh, that's the thought. He said, you'll have to ask God. I said, I'll ask God. <laughs> anyway. He said, oh, I'll, think, I'll have a think and pray about it. So that evening at the baptism service, uh, we had the, the, Yelena told her story and she was baptized and uh, that was fantastic. And then this chap stood up to speak. And I knew in my spirit he was going to answer the question. And the, que the way he started by saying, he said, I'm going to speak tonight on prayer. And he said, and this is what I think God is saying. He said, prayer, it's what we do, isn't it? And I sat there and thinking, 
I don't want to be known for prayer. Now that, some of you might be going, why? Why wouldn't you want to be known for prayer? It just felt boring. But it isn't. But I, some part of me was going, I'd like to be known for something an expert does, rather than we can all do. I want to be known. And then I realized that that was the whole point. The point is that actually all we've got when we do church, we're not a mechanic. To be honest, if someone said, look, my car's broken down, pastor, would you mend it? They would be an idiot. Because on the whole, pastors aren't great mechanics. You know, or they bring that to the house group, their person suffering from something awful. Say, could you operate? You know, it's just possible that your house group would have a doctor, but a top surgeon, not a good... I prefer to go to the hospital, wouldn't you? And you then go, well, could you do counselling for me? And I'd say, well, actually, the church is full of people who can pray, but they don't always give great advice. Do we? I mean, sometimes we're just as stupid as everybody else, aren't we? <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> I, I remember an advert for, um, for the AA, and it, it was, uh, the, can you help me? And the answer was no, but I know a man who can. Now, of course, it could be a woman. Um, but in essence, we don't know what we're doing any more than anybody else. We're just a cross-section of society in all those expert things. The only difference is we're connected with God. The only thing we've really got to offer the world, unless we happen to have experts among us, is that we can connect with God and ask him to get involved. That's what we're offering the world. If we don't do that, we're not doing anything. Prayer, it's what we do, isn't it? Sometimes we try and do all the clever stuff and we don't do the simple thing, which is prayer. It's what we do, isn't it? Now, some of the churches in the world that, I always kind of see that the kind of the way that God wants to work in the world is the network of the kingdom of God wants to be across the world. The knots are like little local churches or house groups. And then the relationships between them are the little strings that go between them. And as long as there are really good relationships between all of them, not that there's this type and that type, but they love Jesus and there's a network of them all over the world. Lots of little knots, lots of little strings between them. And that's sometimes easier in a church that isn't based in a local community. So there's a church that I have a great relationship with in Tenerife. Um, and uh, they've got two or three different expressions of it over there. One which is called South Tenerife Christian Fellowship and now there's Tenerife Family Church. And uh, they kind of spun off from each other. And years ago, my wife and I got involved with them because we started a ministry over there called The Living Room and worked in partnership with them to uh, reach out into the, the clubbing scene, which was particularly good for the STCF. STCF, which was South Tenerife Christian Fellowship, was almost all people in, the, in their 80s and 90s when I first went over there. They really loved Jesus, but they didn't relate greatly to the clubbing scene. And in fact, there is a little island off the bottom of... Uh, Tenerife called Gomera. It's not called Gomorra. <laughs> but there were a number of times I was in prayer meetings where old men 
from Northern Ireland, but oh Lord, <laughs> we know about Gomorrah, and here is Sodom, and we are, you know, and they said all sorts of stuff about South Tenerife, because South Tenerife is pretty rough at places. And uh, anyway, we started this ministry, reaching out, and those folk loved the young people who came to Christ through that ministry. And uh, one thing that they were absolutely fantastic at was saying, well, we'll pray about that, and then doing so. Not, well, we'll pray about that and forgetting about it, but actually deliberately getting together and pray. And week after week after every time I would visit that church, they'd say, so-and-so from, from Scotland has been in touch with their prayer needs and I'd like us to pray about it. And then there'd be somebody else from Essex who'd just turned up on holiday and said, you prayed for, you know, we've had this story already today. We've prayed for my sister or you prayed for my mother or you prayed for my son and they're healed or they've become a Christian or their business situation has been solved. God has been involved. Or you prayed about this and there's been, even though what we prayed about hasn't changed, something else has completely changed because God is really good at cashing in the prayer to do the thing that really matters rather than the thing that we thought mattered. And that's why let us spray. Because if we just spray it around, God will act. One of the things that it says in the Bible is that um, in, uh, two, in 1 Timothy 2, it says, I wish that all men everywhere would lift up holy hands in prayer. And then it goes on to talk about women. Now, in our in inclusive world, there's no reason why women can't pray as well. It was just because of the cultural environment where it talked about men everywhere. Because in the synagogues at the time, what would happen is that the men came together and when one of them wanted to pray, they would lift up their hands. It wasn't like, you should lift up your hands because if you don't lift up your hands, you're a bad prayer. It was everybody, all men in Jewish synagogues, lifted up their hands and went, oh, and prayed. That's how they did it. Uh, so, um, you know, you can bow down. You can lie on the floor. You can be wherever you like. You can pray in any way you like. I've met charismatic churches, and you may be somewhere between charismatic and non-charismatic or whatever. I don't know where you fit into the story. But I've been in churches in Africa where everybody is shouting all at the same time for, an ex you know, for two or three hours in a row. And nobody understands what's going on, but they're all praying. And that's fantastic. I've been in other churches. In fact, my, the church that Sharon and I used to lead in North London was, had a really annoying group of people who wanted to have a prayer meeting at 6 o'clock on Saturday morning. <laughs> Since we were leading the church, they, they, they would came and they said, can we have a prayer meeting at 6 o'clock on Saturday morning? And one of the problems with leading something is that when somebody else puts on something you don't like, you still have to go. <laughs> and I kept trying to explain that God is awake early in the morning, yes, but I am not. Uh, and that God is still awake at lunchtime. Couldn't we have the prayer meeting then? Uh, but they said no, it had to be at six o'clock in the morning because if it hurts, it's better. <laughs> uh, and uh, so anyway... We went along, I, w I would go along to this prayer meeting and just about be awake. And these were the kind of prayers who were faithful. Now, that sounds like it's negative. And at one level, as a church leader, I found it slightly negative. They were faithful because they would do prayer meetings that were boring. The way the prayer meeting was run was 
we'd get into the room, we'd just, I mean, I would just about stagger in at six o'clock on a Saturday morning and sit in a circle uh, and the person leading would say, what are we going to pray about today? And we'd then have about 20 minutes of different people telling us what we were going to pray about. Um, and it would be important things in people's lives that we knew in the community. It might be somebody in the church or it might be somebody in the community, but it would be, you know, this young lady has just had a breakdown or this situation is happening over this family. Uh, these people, you know, it, they would be important things. It, it could easily have been a gossip shop, but they were really very careful, these people. And we sat there and we shared these stories. And then someone said, well, now let's pray. And I'd go, oh, no, I've forgotten it all. Because we had to pray about the same things we just talked about. <laughs> What's more, we had to go into the hair wash position. Do you know what the hair wash position is? I had to go into this position. Now, if there's anything that's going to put me to sleep, it's that position. So then we had to do this prayer meeting where we had to remember the things that had just been said. And then someone would say at the end of their prayer, and, you know, in the name of Jesus, and then you said, Amen. And I am just so grumpy with God about this whole experience for a simple reason. He kept answering the prayers. <laughs> you know, at least if you're, if you're not into boring stuff, God, don't help the boring people. But he kept answering the prayers. So I had to keep going and we kept seeing things change. I have to say that the exciting prayer meetings where we all sang and danced and then people kind of all joined in and prayed together about something, God answered those prayers too. Because actually he's not into worrying about how we do it, just interested in whether we do it. Isn't that right? Last time we talked about gathering and the word episunego, the kind of just get together because God wants us all to get together just like a hen gathering his chicks. The, the word for gather here, where two or three gather in my name, is sunego, without the epi. It basically means if two or three of you bump into one another and decide you're going to do it with Jesus, he'll be with you. And that is what's known as a quorum. I, I, was, I love the word quorum. It's not in the Bible, but I love the word quorum because uh, most of us think it means one thing, but when it was originally used in the Roman Empire, it had a subtle difference to it. A quorum for a church meeting of the Baptist church has to be a majority, is that right? No, it's just whoever turns up and then it has to be a majority. But there is a quorum, which is the number of people who have to turn up in order to have a meeting that can make decisions, isn't there? Right. But actually the word quorum comes from of whom in Latin. Of whom. And it means this. It would say, we're going to have this set of justices, this set of, you know, people to make a decision, but we realize that there are some people who are rather more important than others because they actually do know about the subject. So therefore, we would say a quorum was this number of the people present of whom Bob Smith must be one. And the of whom bit was the quorum in the Roman Empire. It was the whole idea of saying, you have to have people together, but you, one of them has to be, or two of them have to be, this person and this person, because otherwise you can't make these decisions. So here is a quorum for a prayer meeting. You can have 
two or three, of whom one must be Jesus. Yeah? That's a quorum. You don't, there is a truth, though, that on big things, say we were praying about something in the whole of Milford, there is a place where two or three, one of whom is Jesus, is good, but sometimes it's worth getting more together, isn't it? I've actually discovered this in my prayer life, that sometimes getting the five or six churches together to pray about something in a town makes a big difference. Sometimes that's what makes the quorum. God actually says, I need for this prayer thing something, uh, a different group of people together in order for it to be a quorum. But in principle, two or three plus Jesus is enough to change the world. And you might be a little church in a little village on the edge of a little town in southern England, but you can change the world by praying. Not by being the cleverest church on the planet with the best youth work or the this or the that, but by praying, you can change the world. You can bring God into the world and change the world. You can invoke the Holy Spirit in people's lives and you can change the world. And if you can have prayer lists of stuff that you need to change, you can change the world. And you sit there and say, well, we've prayed about Afghanistan. How many of you think that our prayer time this morning is going to change Afghanistan? One part of you is going, yes, it can, because God is with us. Another part of you is going, it's a bit big, the problem in Afghanistan. For our little prayers here, even though we're joined together with all the people around the world who are probably praying about Afghanistan or Myanmar or Haiti or... But you know what? is actually happening in Afghanistan today is not just one big thing. It's lots and lots of little things. The people who are standing outside the airport right now, each one of them have their own story, just like you have your own story. If I could get it, I said this before the service to someone, if I could get a download from your head of all the things that have worried you in the last week, God sees every one of them. And every one of them is important enough to pray about and to change and to see God's kingdom come in and bring about difference. Uh, Lynn asked me how, how I was this morning. I said, fine, because I'm fine, because that's the right answer and we're in Surrey. Um, but there have been a few challenges this week in my family. None of them were Afghanistan. You know, there's some health issues. We ha continuously have health issues in our family. We've got people trying to get to university. And you sit there and think, well, in comparison to Afghanistan, I shouldn't worry about this at all. But God is concerned about every single thing that you're thinking about right now. The person that you love who's sick, the bill that you can't pay, the fact that you're trying to get your child into the right school and not the wrong school, but you don't know which school is the right school and which school is the wrong school. For some of you, the biggest deal, I said this this morning as well, is should I go on holiday? Bless you. Um, there are such bigger things, but actually God will get involved even in the question because God wants to be involved in every single one of those things. About to finish. As I was praying about this and thinking about you, I had a picture in my mind of the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Some of you know, know what that is. In Jerusalem, there's a bit of the temple, the ancient temple, that still stands. It's just a bit of wall. 
And behind it, there's a massive mosque and all sorts of other stuff, but it's just a bit of wall. And the, the Jewish people sometimes go to that wall because it's a bit of their temple. And you'll have crowds and crowds of people standing there, and some of them even take prayers and stick them into the crevices in the wall. And what they're praying for, ultimately, is that the temple will be rebuilt, no matter what the geopolitical result of all that is. And I wasn't actually thinking as I was praying for you that I wanted to make any comments about that geopolitical situation. I just felt the Lord say, you know what church is meant to be? It's meant to be a local wailing wall. A place where people can come and cry their heart out over the issues in the world, over the issues in their own family, to do it together, not just by themselves. Because the temple, the living temple, maybe there's a little bit of it here with these living stones. And we're longing for the day when the proper temple, the whole temple will be built. And it's coming, but right now it's a bit broken down. But we can come and we can wail and pray. And we should be that. And people in our community should know that we are that. They should know that they can come with any issue and feel that someone will pray with them or they can pray by themselves. But they can bring their wail over their life into this situation, into this place. Or into the community, or not even into this place, into the coffee morning, into the other place where the living temple already is in this community. They should know that that's what the church is. A prayer wall. A place where they can come and stick their prayers in the wall and leave it with the wall to pray, for, pray with them. And know that God will start doing things and he will change things and you can expect to change the world. What Milford needs now is not a church that has gone through a few worries about who's in charge and all the rest, but a community of people who will take in the prayers bring them before God and change the world. Do you know what Jesus' original prayer was? The one that he told us all to pray? Our Father in heaven, your name be hallowed. The next line, we sometimes make it, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus first said it, it was your kingdom, which is heaven, the way things are done in heaven, Sorry, got amplified. It's the kind of prayer that is not so much a, a request, but a release of energy and power from your very spirit connected with God. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, just like it is in heaven. Bringing the kingdom in. Jesus at one point said, powerful ones bring the kingdom in. The powerful ones that bring the kingdom in, everybody discusses who that is. But I can tell you this, that when we agree on earth, it's powerful ones that bring the kingdom in. Bring heaven into earth. Heaven is a place on earth. Yes, Belinda Carlisle did sing that. But we can bring heaven into earth by turning things round that aren't what they should be. And we can do it unprofessionally. You do not have to go to the professional Christian 
to get that to happen. You just need to go and be Christian for that to happen. But with a confidence and a certainty that when we put our hand up, God puts his hand down and the quorum is formed between our two or three on earth and his presence in heaven. Just want to give you a little bit of advice that is significant in this for this part of the world. See, we as Christians are so committed to trying to be cool as well as Christian that we've come up with this very difficult word which is authentic, which is in our culture, and we're now trying to do prayer that is authentic. Now, one of the problems with trying to do authentic prayer is it feels the opposite of religious prayer. Now, what I mean by that is that, that um, if you kind of speak with a slightly bishop-sounding sa- voice, like, Dearly beloved brethren, I've called you, we instantly think, oh, what a load of twaddle. Why can't you be authentic? And then that slowly moves down to the point where if, um, if we say, let's pray about that, everybody then tries to do it cool, with the eyes open, wandering around, I just, I'm just praying about this. And sometimes that's real. You know, you can, you can pray walking down the road, you can pray in the bath, you can pray in the shower, you can talk to Jesus anywhere because he doesn't mind what he's looking at. But here is the most important thing. If your need to be authentic stops you actually praying and agreeing on earth, then ditch it, because it's no use to you. You may as well be religious. And I've found that people do things together when they know when they're doing them together. They agree when they know how to do it. So there is a, a, here is a basic pattern for praying together about something, whether it's two or three of you or all of you together. Somebody has to say, Let's pray about that. Let's pray. Our culture militates against saying, let's pray about that. You know, we might have actually had a conversation outside here. Somebody shared something awful, even just after church, and you go, oh, I'm sorry. And then they go off home. Or you meet somebody over coffee, and they tell you something awful, and you say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll pray about that. Why not say, can we pray about that now? Now, I'd like to give you a simple thing that you get a brownie point every time you say, can we pray about that? And you can reward each other if you got in before me. Ah! From now on. It's a little trick. From now, I often do this with young people on prayer missiony things, which we do around. I say, okay, so we're going out, we're washing people's cars and doing all these other things. But I want you to talk to people, and when everybody gets a brownie point, when they can say, can I pray about that? Because suddenly something different changes. And then I'd like to say this. You don't have to keep your eyes open. You can close them. You don't have to stand around being cool. You can sit in a circle and go into the hair wash position. It's allowed. Because God doesn't mind. You don't have to, but you can. What's more, you can say at the, name, at the end, in the name of Jesus. It really helps because everybody then knows when to say, Amen. <laughs> Martin Luther talked about the word Amen. 
Again, it sounds religious, doesn't it? But the word amen, which is a Hebrew word, really, he translated into German, and I'm going to translate into English with a German accent. He said that amen means this. Ja, ja, that's the way it's going to be. <clears throat> so let me explain something. If you said, Lord Jesus, we're, going to, we're asking you please to heal this person of their dreadful disease. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's not really the right way to say it. You need to say it with a little bit more oomph, right? So, you know, if you were very religious, you'd go, in the name of Jesus, and everybody would go, oh, man. Or if you were really religious, you'd sing it seven times. What I'd suggest is that when you get to the end of the, in the name of Jesus, you go, amen. Yes, that's the way it's going to be, because we put it into your hands, God. You sit there and say, well, how do I know whether I should pray for something? Some things I don't know if I should pray. But Jesus gave a simple basis, and this is my last one. Ask. Seek. Knock. Ask. Actually, it's in the present continuous imperative. I've told you that before, which means it's ask and 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 ask. That's a request. Seek, if you notice, is not a request. It's looking for it. So asking is about the way a child asks for ice cream. Because if you keep asking for ice cream, you always get it, don't you? We know that, even if it's bad for you. So you keep asking, ask, 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 and it'll be given to you because he's a good father. But seeking is about looking for your keys when you've dropped them on a drive late at night. You know that experience? That gravel drive, big one. You all come from Surrey, you know what these look like. <laughs> Drop your keys late at night. Where are they? They could be anywhere on the gravel drive. Basic principle, seek and 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 you will find them, but preferably prayer. And the way I always find my keys is I go on seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking and I finally say to God, God, I give up, and then I stand on them. That's how it works. But I'm not, it's not about keys. Seeking is different from asking. And knocking, that was the word for uh, people trying to break into a city using a battering ram. Knock, 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 and the door will open. Jesus was telling a joke. He said, ask and ask and ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and seek and seek, and you will find. Smash the door down, and it will open. That, that's what he basically what he said. That's the kind of way we should pray. Some things we just ask, because our level of faith is asking. We're not sure whether we should have them, but we ask. Some things we know we should have them, so we're going looking for them. Other things we think, I know we should have them, but it's like there's a whole bunch of stuff in the way, so I'm going to smash it down in order to see God's kingdom come. Do you feel in your spirit the differences? One is please, the next one is where, and the next one is ah! in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand please? Let's pray.